What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Rico's Watches podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and I'm joined today by fellow watch collector and enthusiast and Instagram personality, June, known as uh, No Box, No Paper on Instagram. How's it going today, June? Good. Hi, Eric. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure and my honor. <laughs> Hey, it, the, the pleasure is all mine. And, and thank you for coming on the show. You know, we uh, had to dance around some schedules and make this work and kind of record in the evening. And I'm glad that we did. Um, you've been a longtime listener of the show, a longtime fan. You've always provided awesome feedback and, and words of encouragement to me. And I'm really excited to have the, the chance now to have you on the show as a guest and to really shine the spotlight on you, your awesome profile and your terrific collection. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Before we kind of get into, you know, some of the questions and sort of the interview for today, what do you have on the wrist? All right. I saw this coming as a long time listener, right? Good. Um, so I have today is the uh, second gen uh, Seiko Monster or nice. SRP 307. Uh, my first mechanical watch ever. Uh, it's actually just had 10 year anniversary with this one. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, um, I after um, serving in Korean military for military service for two years, um, you know, I got out and then I was like, I need to treat myself. And my cousin, who's been into watches for as long as I can remember, he's like, you should get this one. I was like, OK, you know, put in a card for $170 on Amazon and boom, it's been on my wrist ever since. Well, what do you have on the wrist? I have uh, a watch that was a long time coming and that I've probably beat to death on the show now as, uh, as, my, <laughs> typical, be as my typical wrist partner, but I got the, uh, the Panerai Pam 25 on today on a sword straps, uh, Egypt. It's called the Egypt strap because it's kind of based mm-hmm. on the old Giziano strap. Love this mm-hmm. thing. Super comfortable. This watch is fantastic. And, you know, you all heard me complaining about wanting one for so long so i figured oh, yeah. i, I got to wear it and give it its proper due on the show after uh such a long build up and uh so much complaining and belly aching on my part so i love this thing it's a great piece it serves me well it it's every inch the watch that i dreamed it would be and and i can't complain uh, about it at all you brought up something interesting though that i wanted to to ask you about before we kind of gloss over that you you had done your mandatory service in the South Korean military. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about if it's okay for you, if you don't mind yeah, talking sure. about it, what is that like? Cause I understand some countries still have like the compulsory conscription process mm-hmm. and what kind of, I guess, like how did watches play a role in that? I understand you picked up the monster uh, after and it's a beautiful right. watch, by the way, terrific, terrific choice. Mm-hmm. But what were watches like in the military? Did you see a lot of guys with watches? Was it a very common thing? Is there a watch culture? Or was it very much just, you know, you're keeping your head down and doing what you're told because you got to get through this type of thing? <laughs> no, uh, that, that's a fantastic question. So first of all, uh, yeah, as you said, uh, there are many countries that require their citizens, um, you know, both male, female, or just male for the case of Korea and Singapore and Thailand, from my understanding, um, you know, you go into military uh, with your choice of a branch and uh, a military occupation specialty, your job, I guess. Um, I, I went in as an infantry motor crewman, which is mm. basically a tiny cannon thing you drop and then it shoots out, you know, and then nice. I was in a um, airborne, you know, um, uh, paratrooper battalion, which, which was fantastic. Uh, but in terms of watches, I had two watches during military because, as you said, right, um, 
this is not the message approved by Korea Ministry of Defense, but mm-hmm. um, among the enlisted, which is what I joined as, uh, we have sort of this rank system and depending on your rank uh, and your job, you kind of are limited with choices. So for instance, you can only wear digital watches when you're like, you know, private first class all the way to, you know, um, Lance Corporal because they, they sort of want to set the role so that you give more power to higher rank and less power to, you know, um, lower rank, I guess. You know, the discrimination against course watches has been there even before I got into really watches, right? Okay. Um, and I think, you know, as you get higher rank, you know, you, you, you know, technically you do less of a groundwork job, you do more of a, you know, um, uh, ordering, managing the, you know, personnel in your battalion, uh, I'm sorry, um, squadron and whatnot. So you can wear like more, you know, dressier piece. So it's not like, you know, Marina Militare or those, you know, German search and rescue, you know, military unit that were like tough watches doing tough things. A lot of times, like people didn't wear anything on their wrist because they're too afraid of getting it you know, damage during the training, um, especially when you when you jump, right? And then get dropped into the drop zone. Um, but uh, one of my most fond memory is that uh, there are two things, right? One is when we were all basically stand by an underground bunker uh, when, you know, um, when the father of the current, uh, the North Korean dictator passed away and just the entire country went on death combo for the precautionary reason, right? And we're there for one week and we're just, no light from outside, but I was just looking at my, you know, G-Shock, uh, I don't, I forget the, not G-Shock, Casio, it's like $20 um, DW something, right, um, and I was just really getting anxious and sad about the reality, like what's going to happen when I'm going to get out, you know, but then I was looking at the watch, I'm like, huh, this is one thing that's still ticking well, or being operated by the battery, right? That's uh, connected sort of to the outside world. So mm-hmm. that's, that's something that kind of kept me outside of like, you know, uh, being lonely and whatnot. And the other one I still remember is that during my first jump, I had this, uh, my grandpa's, you know, uh, late 80s, like quartz watches. That's just like ticks, 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 but it's never on the you know exact um, you know uh, second marker or whatever, right? It just it's just not a great watch, you know. Um, but anyway, um, I was super nervous when we first jumped off of I think it was like C one thirty, which is where you jumped from the side doors, right? Mm-hmm. And I was super scared. Um, the parachute um, the parachute opened up, but then I just looked at the watch, you know, because I wore it like on the suit, right? Um, and just kind of looking at the ticking, ticking motion, just calm me down, which is apparently the opposite of most quartz haters out there trying to look at those sweeping second hands. Um, so that, that sort of made me like, you know, the first uh, jump to be more memorable. And also, you know, um, it just calmed me down. <laughs> Sorry, my mind's everywhere right now. <laughs> no, that's very, that's very interesting. And that those are some very interesting anecdotes as well, too. Congratulations. I mean, uh, you know, being a, a paratrooper is fantastic i mean thank you for the service that you, you did and for you know, your, your contribution i mean obviously you know, south korea is an allied country so we appreciate you know all that you did in, in helping you know our allies and keeping yourself and, and you're, our allies you're, safe. Making, 
plush Eric. Well, I just, you know, every Korean man doing Korea. I understand. Well, I don't know if every Korean guy that joins the military gets to jump out of airplanes. I mean, that's pretty cool. Lucky. (laughs) That's pretty cool. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I've only jumped out of an airplane once and it wasn't in the military and I thought, I thought it was pretty scary. So I mean, that's, that's pretty neat, man. That's really, really cool. But uh, you, you mentioned something and I wasn't, uh, it's, it's something I've heard before and I just wanted to kind of clarify it, is that there's this there's this uh, culture in you're talking about in, in the South Korean military, but I've also heard about it in in Japanese culture as well, too, with Seiko, uh, for example, being this idea that like kind of the lower you are down on the totem pole in your company or mm. in the military, for example, it kind of limits in the type of watches that you should wear. I mean, I've heard people talk about that as well, um, you know here too but in north america but i and and obviously you're in north america now too but would you say you've noticed that that sort of happen as well too like for example and to be more clear it's like you know the grand seiko was supposed to be for the ceo and then the king said the king seiko was supposed to be for upper management and then the lord seiko was supposed to be or the lord matic was supposed to be for like the 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 you know middle management guy and then it kind of goes down from there is that prevalent at all you're finding was that kind of the idea of how it kind of was when you were in South Korea and have you noticed any of that at all now oh, that you've yeah. been here in the United States yeah for sure yeah I, I think this is super interesting that you bring it up because that you know we have sort of Instagram watch enthusiast universe that we get exposed to we interact day-to-day basis on Instagram right um but before Instagram became what it is for the watch community um, in Korea. Uh, there's one YouTuber that uh, I believe has the most subscribed in Korea called Sengar Watches. Um, and he's, you know, he has background, you know, studying in the US, pursuing degree. Uh, and then he's now residing in Korea with his wife. Um, but he basically, you know, um, started, I don't know if it's a war, but started war against what they call there's this like, image I can show you later, but it's basically a totem or or totem or pyramid, right? Depend on depends on the watch you wear. Your socioeconomic status is this, 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 right? On top, there's obviously the Holy Trinity, you mm-hmm. know, and at the bottom, you know, you have like, you know, like Skagen fossil, K seal, whatever you have. So that's very much there mm-hmm. and i mean even in the us uh, at my office right uh, one of the uh, partner um, awesome guy you know um he wears this uh, rolex um, you know uh blue and gold i think they call it bluesy right mm-hmm. uh, it's a mariner right mm-hmm. super shiny super amazing watch but you know like i wouldn't feel comfortable myself wearing it because i'm just uh, i just started you know and they're more, I don't want to be, you know, um, I don't want to be uh, recognized as a person. Oh, the new guy who wears shiny Rolex, you know what I mean? So that's just my mindset. But to answer your question, yes, I've seen it throughout in Korea, uh, but also in the U.S. too, at mm-hmm. least you know, in my, um, you know, eco around. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. So you, you talked about how, you know, you were a young man, you were wearing these watches in the military, you weren't wearing anything kind of based on your own definition that was particularly impressive, but you did pick up this uh, Seiko monster, a second mm-hmm. generation after you completed your service. Was mm-hmm. that really your first kind of foray into being interested in watches or where did your interest in watches really begin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, same as all the other, you know, past guests you've had so far, like, you know, I got into watches, I guess, more of a fashion accessory, right? Mm. 
um, I think I've always been interested in sort of um, having something on the wrist, whether it was like bracelet or ring or anything. Um, but that was like 10 years ago. And after military, I was like, you know, accessories overrated, right? Everything gets in the way. I'm like, I'm not going to wear anything. But before military, I, I had, you know, watches that were gifted for, for my loved one um, and from, from my students when I was resident advisor in college, right? And they had engraved message from them. It was just lovely gift. Um, and they were, you know, beautiful, you know, Skagen, uh, PVD coated, I think, uh, rose gold sort of PVD indices and whatnot. Um, very thin, right? Uh, courts and I pretty much wore that like, you know, for any formal events, right? Uh, and I had fossil watches and everything. Um, but then after, you know, getting this, this Seiko, um, I just kind of stopped wearing it because it's funny, after getting discharged, um, I came back to US to finish my undergraduate degree and I left all my belongings here, right? Mm. Um, and all the watches ran out of battery. <laughs> It was such a hassle when I took them all, like four or five quartz watches uh, to the mall, and they asked me to pay, you know, 10 to $15 for each watch. Mm. And I was frustrated. And then I realized this one doesn't need battery, <laughs> you know? And then, you know, it started off from there. Um, and uh, the cousin I mentioned who recommended me to buy the Seiko, uh, has been into watches and he has a really nice watches, including, you know, five digit, um, the, the Rolex GMT Coke. And he also has, uh, the smile, you know, the, the ETA, uh, the Tudor Black Bay. Um, and nice. he has, uh, I think Pam 111 as well. Um, but, you know, seeing him, like, you know, he's always been kind of like, you know, my brother, right. Mm -hmm. I looked up to him and everything and, you know, I've, I've just been, noticing people wearing wrists and of course you know i'm very comfortable with myself saying yes if i see ryan gosling rocking 34 millimeter you know rolex you know oyster air king whatever on his wrist then i'm gonna be that guy you know what i mean if i see john ham rocking you know uh 1016 or you know Gidre Lacourt, you know the the memo box on his wrist like, I want to be that guy, you know? So that probably had a lot of influence on me in my foray into vintage watches, which has always been, like, good deal um, mm -hmm. for, for my personal preference, you know? Um, because you can always find something similar style because mm -hmm. um, there was not as much uh, diversity when it comes to design in mid-century, right? Hence, you know, a lot of watches you see today that are inspired by mid-century design are... Um, very similar from this then, especially to non-watch people, general public, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, seeing all those people wearing those, you know, vintage watches got me into vintage watches. Um, and then it got sort of, you know, um, on steroid because my wife, uh, who who is an artist, and, and I always look up her when it comes to her, you know, fantastic taste in basically everything in life, right? And she has a really nice uh, collection of, I, I can actually, I brought it here, but she has like, you know, vintage like Movado that she picked up from. Uh, you can't really see me. That's just a Movado, yeah. Ah, uh, it's just the museum dial Movado. Yeah, and she has like a lot of like 29, 30 millimeter watches. Nice. And this one is like, you know, really, you know, quirky uh, Fixoflex band that uh, her 
uh, grandma used to wear for all her life. And then, you know, she passed away a few years ago and it's just, you know, uh, precious to my wife now. Um, but yeah, we've been just, she's been stealing my watches all the time. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that happened to you, Eric, but uh, we've been just enjoying this hobby together uh, since then. Well, we, like my, my wife, she, I wore pretty large watches. I mean, even before I was, you know, getting into the realm of wearing like 44 millimeter Panerai's and things like that, mm -hmm. I was always kind of wearing around like 41, 42, right. um, you know, sometimes even 43 millimeter watches. Mm -hmm. So they were always kind of on the big side for her, but I used to have a lot of vintage like Omegas and Seikos and things like that. Which Omega was it? I think I do recall. Yeah, I used to have like a vintage uh, Omega, um, was it the two, two, uh, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, it was it was the small little bumper Omega, like the first generation Omega oh, yeah. with, with the beefy yeah, yeah, lugs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. and I love that watch. It was it was a terrific watch. But I traded it when I picked up my vintage uh, Super Seawolf, which I think oh. you've, which I think you've seen pictures of already. But yeah, yeah so I. I, you know, I, I moved that watch along when I, uh, when I picked up uh, that piece, which I, it's a little <laughs> bit more on brand for me. I think I'm, you know, I, I loved that vintage Seamaster and my wife loved it as well too. And she enjoyed wearing it. Um, but it just, I, it just spent more time not being worn than it did being worn. Right. So, and for mm -hmm. as much trade value or as much value as the watch had yeah. it, uh, it was better suited on with somebody who would appreciate it more. And I, sure. I replaced it. I picked up a little, vintage uh seiko lord matic there for like 150 bucks or something and it oh it, good deal it wears just it's as nice underrated, don't you think right oh there's so i mean honestly like i love this thing this thing's like it's got like a brown linen dial oh, uh, nice. brown linen dial it's got the yeah, gold, those hooded lugs and yeah the gold lord matic logo and then the bracelet on its original and in terrific mm -hmm. shape but the bracelet alone is just an absolute treat it's crazy that seiko doesn't make stuff like that it's got the kanji date wheel which i love mm -hmm. so i love this watch and for like 150 bucks serviced and it's kind of cool because it kind of fits in with the the because my only other i only have one other vintage watch which is the super seawolf and it's also got hooded lugs so you got like the double hooded lug thing going on like they're obviously two totally different watches from different uh they're actually from the same era but they have totally different kind of you know influences one being swiss one being japanese but you can see the the shared common design language between the two and i mean that uh, could be easily really awesome two watch collections if you yeah. if you're comfortable wearing vintage watches all the time 100 percent. they're definitely i would you could definitely see, and i always see that too like i try to like in my collection now i'm trying to kind of just i'm all about the cheap thrills now right like oh, i've yeah. i've been there done that with just about everything i've had just about everything i've ever wanted to try I'm in a very blessed position where I sometimes get things for free. I get things sure. on loan. I get to try things out, you know, or I just sometimes just get really good deals on things. Mm -hmm. like, for, like on this, I, pay, I got such a good deal from another fan of the show, um, wow. you know, and I just like, I just, for me now, it's just, I'm just having fun. It's just like, if, you know, if something's 150 bucks, I'm going to get that instead of getting, right. instead, of, instead of worrying about buying something that costs 10 grand. I mean, this, this watch, I just picked this up, this NY0040. Oh, yes. The, citizen, the classic citizen, mm -hmm. 150 bucks. And like <laughs> this watch gives me so much, so many smiles per dollar. It's insane. I just, I love this thing. And I've had, hey. like, I've had so many like Seiko divers and SKX 007s honestly and people might not like this this thing blows the skx 007 out of the water and does it at half the price it's such a nice watch like, i mean that should i mean you mentioned that just now right that should be the new 
a new norm for for yeah. everyone in the watch community like smile per dollar yeah right like virtually everything about this hobby is subjective mm-hmm. oh know? and that's and that's and there's so much like there's so much out there and like you know whether you're on instagram as just an observer or you you know run a podcast or you interact with the the industry a lot it's like mm-hmm. you get tired of talking about and seeing the same five or six brands especially sure. when you realize that it's such a big world out there for watches right. particularly vintage because there's a lot of brands that aren't around anymore that were there's a lot of cool designs there's so much unique stuff out there i mean honestly like for example like even modern zodiac right and so i got the modern reissue as well of the vintage one Did you that put I side by side I just oh, it's out. so it's so <laughs> I, I was cool. gonna ask you anyway <laughs> it's so cool to have both oh. you know so wow, it's they did a really good job. They did a really good job. And what's nice is like, I can wear this and not worry about, you know, I mean, this getting, you know, water incursion or being damaged further or anything like that. It's like, I can just wear this when I feel like having something fun on the wrist. And when I just want to, when I want to wear a watch, I can rely on and it's tough. Sure. I can throw this on. I mean, this is a great travel watch too. Cause I mean, like, it's a great watch. It's well-made. It's Swiss. It's tough. It's beautiful. But I also don't feel like I'm going to get my arm chopped off so someone can steal it, you know. So I mean, I I, I appreciate it for what it is. But um, you know, like for example, with Zodiac, I mean, they have a ton of incredible designs. They had so much interesting uh, design language throughout their catalog from as far back as you know, for just talking dive watches into the 50s. They basically cover all grounds, right? Everyone. But they yeah. weren't really part of like the you know the uh etho or part of like the the like watch ether until very recently when they mm-hmm. sort of had this resurgence right so when you go back and look into the vintage and say you say you were a, a vintage zodiac fan you've been laughing this whole time buying these watches for dirt cheap having a right. great time with these amazing watches that are well made with awesome design you know well basically everyone else is sleeping on them and then all of a sudden they're popular and prices are through the right. roof seeing them everywhere and you know so i i applaud you for being interested in in vintage man it's 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 terrific and back to your original question about spouses because i know we kind of went off on a little detour there my yeah. wife generally doesn't steal my watches she's had i've had some in the past that she likes but she has her own collection uh that she absolutely loves and i've curated kind of for her but uh-huh. she loves wearing them uh she's big into vintage but she wears like a 32 millimeter um i think it used to be called a, they were called boy size so it was a 32 oh, yeah. millimeter Don't boy you love size. That japanese marketing right <laughs> well I, I, it's yeah exactly uh, it's a japanese and actually funny enough i got it out of japan um yep. but i picked up her tutor yeah a rose dial a rose gold dial uh or sorry it's a salmon dial tutor oyster prince she has um, a Cartier tank that I got her as well oh, that was in brutal, brutal condition. And I had it kind of professionally restored and sorted out. And then she's got a solid gold, uh, rose gold Falco, which I guess, uh, who do they, they, they're a different name now. Uh, it escapes me, but I see them all the time. I'm, I'm very forgetful tonight but uh they're they're awesome as well too and uh she loves it and they're all like between i would say like you know 28 and 32 millimeters and they fit her her very slender wrist uh, perfectly Mm -hmm. so she's she definitely gets it and i think that's kind of been one of the things with watches and, and maybe you can lend your opinion on this as well too with spouses it's like they don't really get it until they get a watch like that for themselves and then you know it's like 
you sort of realize it's like, okay, all of a sudden, you know, when the wife has her tutor with a Rolex case on it, and it's a beautiful watch, and it's tough, mm-hmm. and she can wear it, whatever, and it looks awesome. All of a sudden, the fossil watches or, you know, the the Daniel Wellington watches aren't getting worn so much anymore. And it's like, mm-hmm. hmm, I wonder why. Because Is it because you're enjoying these watches and all of a sudden you understand the level of attention to detail and quality right. in them, right? I don't know, like, well, your wife is, you said she's quite supportive and she has her own kind of collection. You know, is she borrow your pieces at all? Does she kind of understand sort of the charm in them a little bit more? Well, I think, you know, there's a lot to unpack here, right? But I think, first of all, I don't think she would consider herself as watch collector, right? Because, you know, she, again, what's the definition of collecting, right? Because there's a fine line between hoarding and collecting. There's fine line between flipping and collecting, right? Which Mm -hmm. we can go in detail later. But um, I think generally speaking, watch community people like you and I, we often think that we have the best ability to judge what's the most beautiful watch right Mm -hmm. but generally speaking you know those people who are with credentials about fashions and designs are typically not watch enthusiasts just Mm -hmm. based on the normal distributed population that we have right because you know how many people wear mechanical watch in my office right you know what i mean um so that being said um i think uh my wife likes whatever she thinks is pretty. Like, mm-hmm. first of all, she thinks, you know, like um, the Pan Am classic, you know, uh, red and blue on Tudor or Rolex. She thinks it's the most like infuriating, you know, color combination that doesn't go well with anything. But again, you know, you know, uh, watching, you know, um, Magnum PI and um, a lot of, you know, um, pilots rocking, you know, mm-hmm. um, gmt masters and whatnot to me like red and blue you know and skx you know 015 mm-hmm. and 009 like that's that's the color that i should have for my collection you know mm-hmm. but then again like you know um she was really persistent she doesn't really intervene in my you know buying selling trading process um because um my hobby is mostly self-sustained in a sense mm-hmm. that you know i buy things at market price or lower the market price, hopefully, you know, and I sell at whatever the market value is, right? Mm-hmm. If I get profit off of it, good, you know, save it towards the next purchase, right? But that being said, uh, my wife likes whatever is pretty in her own definition, right? Mm-hmm. And I tend to agree with her most of the time when it comes to judgment on fashion and design. And she's so nomos. <laughs> and she's like, that's a pretty watch. And I was like, that's mm-hmm. so simple. It looks like not to shit on any particular brand that looks like Daniel Wellington or something from, you know, Daiso or Target. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not getting that because mm-hmm. I, before, before having uh, my Nomos, um, this is mid-sized Nomos. Uh, you can't really see it with date, uh, beta movement, uh, which is no longer in production. They only make it in a uh, full size. Um, but before that, I had my wedding watch, which was uh, Seiko Presage SRP143, I think. It's one of those that is not SARB, but looks like SARB. Looks like SARB 065. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks like silver sunray dial Presage with blue second hanging. Okay. Um, but anyway, um, so I had that and I got it from Macy's, like Black Friday, whatever. And, and, 
you know, I've always had a thing for white dial dress watch with blue second hands, right? And when 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 I ended up getting, you know, Nomos through trade and my wife was like, I love that thing. And I was like, what's so great about it? And she started going, you know, on about Bauhaus design and how everything about the, you know, watch is for function that serves, you know, form or the other way around, I always get mixed up. But, you know, it's a dress watch with drilled lug, you know what I mean? And the indices, uh, you know, the fonts of the numbers are for the maximum visibility. So, you know, after she explaining that to me, I was like, okay, I should get that. So I've been switching and trading up to uh, Nomos, but yeah, sorry, I'm way off topic, but uh, once we start talking about the wives, all of a sudden <laughs> we just go off on these tangents. I think it's because we're both, I think it's because we're trying to tread lightly because we know the wives might hear this, may hear this later. <laughs> oh, she's definitely here. Don't want to end, end up in the doghouse. Exactly. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, uh, I totally understand what you mean though, right? And I think like with her having that appreciation, especially for design, being an artist, you know, uh-huh. the lens in which she looks at these pieces through is very different from what you and I might look at them through. And like one of the things that I've found too, just as I've matured as a collector is like really at the end of the day, everything like it, it's, it all just comes down to what you like. I mean, really, I mean, you know, I used to be kind of really big into, into movements and kind of a movement snob and whatever until all of a sudden it's like, Oh, well, but then it's like, Hey, like my Omega you know, now, and I, I love Omega, but it's like, oh yeah, now my Omega with a, you know, a newer series movement, it's like, oh, oh, I got to pay like a thousand bucks for them to service <laughs> that. And I can't right. send it anywhere else. And my options are essentially nil versus, oh, I can buy an Omega from the 1990s that shares right. or the early 2000s that shares a lot of that DNA or was the inspiration for the watches they have now has an ETA movement and I can pay 50 bucks for a local guy to fix it for me and maybe slide him a nice two, six or something after, you yeah. know, you know, here's, here's a bottle and 50 bucks and he'll fix it, you know? So exactly. like, it's, it's, when you start to really get into it, I think as an enthusiast or a collector, you know, it, there's also that, uh, you know, economical side of it as well too, where it's like, you know, do I really care if I have a 60 hour power reserve or a 42 hour power reserve? Do I care? Like, do I care? It's yeah, nice especially to if you're wearing every day. Power reserves don't matter. Well, you know? exactly. Or like, or if you have so many watches where it's like, you know, like usually oh, when I, I wear, when I wear a watch, like it's like, unless it has, unless it's like, you know, for example, like a Panerai with an eight day power reserve, I'm probably not going to wear that watch for more than a week anyways. Right. And then it's going to sit in the box while I wear something else. And then it's going to be right. dead, no, whether it has a 70 hour or a 40 hour. Right. Uh-huh. And, and there's something to be said for just like the reliability and accessibility of some of these older movements. And you really open yourself up when you don't find yourself being hundred percent tied to strictly, you know, in-house or what's, mm-hmm. what's current now or what's avant-garde now. And like the serviceability of those vintage watches, you know, from any brand, really it's, it's, it's through the roof. And again, like you can get them for cheap, you can maintain them for cheap and you can have a wide breadth of design and an, an array of brands in your collection oh, yeah. without having to pay, you know, I mean, $10,000 for a watch or something like that. Uh-huh. So I think that's a big thing. And when I kind of let go of all that, I found again, like the dollars per, or the smile per dollar went way up through the roof. Cause it's like, yeah, oh, I don't, yeah. you know, I, I just like the way that citizen looks. I like that. It's a Destro. It's a $150 Destro watch that, <laughs> you know, has that cool Japanese kind of jangly bracelet feel. It has micro adjust, right. which is super cool. And $150 oh. watch. 
The yeah, Bezos, no SKX hype, you know. No, every everything's yeah. aligned. There's no alignment issues. <laughs> zero alignment issues, and there's you're not going to get sponsorship from Safeco. Eric. No, and, and there's <laughs> and there's no play in the bezel. The thing has exactly. just as tight of a bezel as my as my Tudor Pelagos does. Yeah, it so, builds your heritage too. If you want it to does. get really into it, it does. Right? Yeah, the Marina Militare used them for a oh, long time as well oh, too. And and I mean, uh, and the, the story, which I think is kind of interesting with that one specifically. I mean, again, we're not we're not talking about my watches. We're talking about your <laughs> watches but you know i mean basically the, the marina military is like oh we want a uh you know we want a 500 meter dive watch not a 200 meter dive watch and citizens like yeah go ahead take it to 500 meters see what happens and they're like okay yeah so they did Amazing. they did it worked and they're like okay well we're just going to slap 500 meters on the dial <laughs> and just sold them the 200 meter watch with the 500 meter on the dial and then i think that um they, I think that uh, either the Italian Navy or they specced it out a little bit where they beefed up a couple of the gaskets in the crown or something uh, like that. But otherwise, like the watch is identical. They just redialed it with 500 meters on the dial and um, they amazing. and they took off Citizen and put Marina Militari. And on some of them, you can actually see where Citizen is still kind of stenciled in there. Uh, and they're kind of <laughs> like, and they like covered it with Sharpie or something. That low MOD budget, right? <laughs> no, no, literally just like a guy with a little Italian guy with a Sharpie or something like that. And oh, then man. a little water slide decal put in the proper, putting Marina yeah. Militari on the dial. I don't know, but I mean, you it's, know, speak, it's hilarious. You know, letting things go. Like I, I, I can't agree with you more about you know, like movement. Because I used to love, you know, the the mechanism and science and physics behind the movement, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like beat rate, um, complications. You know, specifically for column wheel versus you know, um, uh, cam wheel type, mm -hmm. uh, like you know, vertical clutch versus horizontal, whatever, all this stuff. But you know to me the most um you know most significant thing i recently let go and 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 drove up my smile per dollar you know indicator is uh water resistant because mm -hmm. i've been just i mean i was fortunate when i was in florida i was fortunate enough to have a local watchsmith who was second generation watchsmith right and he would just ask me to you know take my watch off my wrist and he just like put it in his you know, take out the movement, screw on the crown, and see if it passes. Mm -hmm. If it passes 50 meter, hey, I'm taking it down to you know 33 feet or or you know 10 meter, uh, right. you know lake or or ocean. I don't care. Of course, you know. So I I took I took uh you know um um 1979 uh, Speedmaster Moonwatch uh, down to 12 meter you know Florida Spring and wow problem and uh your previous guest um uh, I forgot he's I, I, i'm following him um yeah he's been searching for his uh, lost rolex in the bottom of the lake yeah yeah tom yeah 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 so tom talked about his speedmaster too it's just that everyone's been talking crap about speedmaster where it's capable of going to the moon but not able to be worn on a rainy day like that just doesn't make sense to me right so what i will say about that is like i had uh -huh. a speedmaster and i moved it along just because it wasn't it wasn't for me but it, and, yeah. but and you know it's a great watch but and i and i get it but it's just what it wasn't the right watch for me but mm -hmm. it, it it's uh like i have also i know of people who for example like you know went outside when it was foggy like and their watch got fogged up and it was a speedmaster I mean, were they up to date for service? You know, I, that I do not know. 
that being said, like this, you know, my super seawolf, for example, is a 700 me 750 meter dive watch. Yes. And, and that was from the 1970s. So a little bit and the late 60s, early 70s. So a little bit older than your Speedmaster. And I probably, maybe it's ridiculous. I probably wouldn't take it down into a Florida spring. And I just had it serviced. Like I just, you know. I, well, I, well, did you get it tested though for water resistance? I think I had it very, very basically tested. Like again, like 50 meters or something like that. So, I mean, again, it, it it's it's very capable. I'm sure it is. But sure. vintage is vintage is one of those ones where you got to tread lightly because you don't you don't that's know. And, and not all vintage watches are created equally in my experience. But yeah, I think that's super cool that you're able to do that. And like what a like awesome testament. Cause of course you're right. I mean, the watches should, as long as you're taking care of them and they're serviced properly, there's no reason that it shouldn't be able to go down into the water and it is yeah, water resistant. Basically said, you know, Hey, it passed 50 meters. So, mm -hmm. you know, um, I pay for the service fee for restoration mm -hmm. if it gets leaked. Okay. Wow. So I was like, okay, I'm that's, taking it. Down. That's as good as it gets. <laughs> I did. I, I, I even operated the pusher down on the water because he told me to do so and it was fine. Maybe I'm just that. lucky and I'm not wow. trying to encourage others, you know, listeners to, you know, throw their speedy into the tub and, you know, to, see but, what happens. Yeah. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Cause a lot of vintage pieces, especially if it's sentimental one, you're right. Um, the, the, you may not be able to get it restored properly. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. 100%. So, you know, I guess like you've, you've been, you've mentioned and we've talked about it, you've had this draw to vintage right and, and sort of some of the reasons why we appreciate vintage so much what is it specifically i guess about vintage for you if you were to really just kind of like hammer the point home that you really find you're drawn to because you do have some modern watches as well but your but your but your collection is primarily vintage at this point mm -hmm. what is it about vintage that you are so drawn to specifically for sure so so you know we 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 covered extensively already about, you know, the, the fantastic smile to dollar ratio for vintage watches for us, mm -hmm. right? And for me in particular, but um, so a little bit about myself is that I, I was born as a middle child out of three sons in my family, and we're only two years apart from each other, right? Okay. That being said, uh, we basically grew up with constant shortage of food. And I mean, I, I grew up in a comfortable, you know, setting, my parents are, you know, um, comfortable and whatnot, but we're always fighting over food, fighting over clothes and fighting each other's, you know, um, shoes, bags, you know, you name it. Right. Uh, that being said, I never had brand new clothing that I can recall until my first field trip during middle school. I just, you know, I mean, there's some gift from my grandma and everything, but I just always got passed down clothes, right? Okay. Maybe that's why I got used to wearing something that's not new. And I'm very much of a risk adverse type of person. Mm -hmm. Like I'll never put my money into tech stock because, you know, I can't sleep night, you know, knowing that, you know, I'm going to be checking Robin Hood all the time. You know what I mean? It's not good for mental health. So mm -hmm. In terms of watches, I like watches with scratches because someone else's did the favor for me to put first scratch and I'm just going to wear it out. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, so a lot of watches are just better uh, when it's sort of worn by someone else. It's kind of hard to explain. And even when it comes to gift by other people, I like clothes that used to be worn by someone. And I'm going to continue that you know, 
I don't say history because it's such a big word, right? Um, so like, you know, anytime somebody moves away and this person maybe gained weight or lost weight and this, you know, genes don't fit them anymore and just pass it on to me. I'm like, heck yes. You know, every time I wear it, I'm going to think about, you know, this person and etc. And um, so it's, it's really, for me, you know, great value. You know, I'm one of those people who always sort of, you know, pride myself for buying something when it's a good deal. And I'm one of those guys who just walks into a store of clothing shop, whatever, um, and go straight to the back and ask, you know, where's the clearance rack, right? And I just like that kind of deal. And, you know, it's kind of shown in testimony where uh, out of like 200 plus watches that I've gone through uh, in the past like 10 years, um, the ones that stayed are the ones that I got in good value. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, there's just not a better alternative out there, right? If I'm going to sell this watch, you know, what am I going to get, right? So. Well, I, I've sort of, I, I totally appreciate the idea of sort of like continuing on the journey of a watch as well too. And you're sort of like the steward of it until now it goes on to the next person. I think that's kind of the sort of part of the charm when it comes to these vintage watches. And you know, can, and then there's also the idea of, you mentioned like if somebody else has already scratched it up, it's like, okay, I don't got to worry about it. Like this watch has already lived a life. I'm just adding to it now. Right. And there's no reason to worry about, you know, it getting, you know, it's, it's not, it's not a safe princess, right. It's not something right. that has to stay in the safe or in the vault and never be worn. And, you know, there's no fun in that. Right. There's no fun mm-hmm. in having a watch that you can never wear because you're too scared of something happening to exactly. it, uh, which I think is a big part of like for me as well too. And I also found like for myself and maybe you're the same way. I also don't really enjoy having, um, several watches that are extremely expensive either right like i i like having the uh the tutor and i like like my pelagos and i like having my panerai but in this price range i don't really see myself buying anything ever really that more that Mm. that price range again unless it's something really 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 special um because i just I don't want to have that many super expensive watches that I'm worried about something happening to, or that I have that much value tied up in, right? Everything else in my collection now was, um, you know, either a trade or, uh, you know, didn't cost me very much at all. And I kind of like that. It's like, if, if something happens, nothing's irreplaceable. I don't have to yeah. worry about something happening and it's like, oh, my watches or whatever. It's like, no, I got my two nice watches that mm-hmm. I really, 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 you know, are really nice. And the rest are just there to be enjoyed. And I find like you can just enjoy the heck out of them when you don't have to care about how much they cost you. Right. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm finding more and more similar between you and I because, you know, like watches are just watches, you know, mm-hmm. and and I've been actually going through, you know, pretty active consolidation, you know, downsizing, because there's just so many other things I can do with money, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, maybe because I'm not Jeff Bezos, right, but it's just, for me, like, I've been into, you know, camping lately, uh, with this beautiful mountains and all the rivers and whatnot in Pacific Northwest, so I've been looking at, you know, nice tent and nice camping gears and whatnot, and, you know, if I sell one watch, and I'll, you know, I'll do that, right, and um, so I have a, a few watches that, you know, that are keeper, uh, famous last words, right? Um, but mostly modern watches are generally speaking, they're very liquid. Uh, like in the, in the uh, beginning of COVID, uh, my wife and I freaked out because my wife was, 
you know, we just had a baby, right? And we weren't sure what was going to happen. And we needed, you know, a lot of cash on hand uh, to be able to sleep well at night, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I sold one watch and, you know, we bought, we bought like, you know, Chester freezer and we stocked them all with frozen food, you know, um, and, and, you know, when we needed to do home renovation for, for bathroom, I sold another watch and I was enjoying the new bathroom every time I went there and it was worth every penny, right? And sometimes emergency fund, it's very useful because, you know, I'm not, you know, advocating watches should be investment, you know, but if you're enjoying having watches and you don't happen to have a lot of sentimental values associated with them, like why let them collect dust? And as you said, be, let them be safe queens, right? So I, I love watches because you can wear every time, which is different than most collectibles, right? Um, and, and you can, you know, move it if you want and you can keep it, you can gift it and there's just unlimited possibilities, right? Mm -hmm. So what, I mean, so we've talked a little bit about like your philosophies around collecting. We've talked a little bit, a bit about like kind of how you got to becoming a watch collector mm -hmm. and, and how you're able to share that with your spouse. How did you end up getting into the Instagram scene and what kind of led you to create, you know, the no box, no paper page? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a good question. So... Instagram was, you know, this was back in 2016, I think. Um, Instagram was sort of getting lame because, you know, I didn't have a lot to post because I didn't have a lot to, there was nothing interesting enough going on in my life mm -hmm. that I felt like was worth, you know, sharing with others. So I was just kind of lurking on other people and I'm like, this is probably going to die out like my space, right? And then um, I was looking into this specific watch by Bertucci. Um, they mainly make um, quartz watches, but they made uh, a collection, um, I think A2 Navigator with Miura uh, nine series movement, but I could not find it, right? Available for sale. So I looked at them hashtag and I found one user with that watch and I just contacted him, right? And this guy's uh, Joe's watches. Uh, he's in Ohio, and he just has eclectic taste on monochromatic black and white watches. Um, and who should be your next guest, perhaps? Um, but yeah, I, I reached out to him, and he was just incredibly nice. And you know, and I've known him since then, you know, for six years. So um, I made a separate Instagram account, and you know, I started following everything that he was following, all the accounts, and um, I made friends along the way. And now I talk to, you know, people on daily basis through Instagram chat, um, you know, whether it's um, uh, Drew living in Virginia, um, going for, you know, bar fine hunts, um, or, you know, Chihi in Denmark, uh, looking for quirky, you know, 80s vintage quartz watches, you know, like, or, or, or Yan living in, you know, Canada, um, um, having his, you know, dad's sea dweller vintage, you know, Omega plot proof and just amazing people out there. Often, I also get advice on other things, non-watch related, right? Um, parenting, especially. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a fantastic journey and I'm just grateful that, you know, um, Instagram is there for, I guess, the entire watch community to be sort of find a place where we can sort of get together virtually, right? Mm -hmm. I found that was, you know, we talk a lot about the the smile per dollars and things like that kind of mm -hmm. throughout this chat. But I think that is one of the other things too, is also just like, there's just, once you finally 
find the community and you're you're part of the a community within this space because there are other communities outside of instagram um but it's just like being able to chat with other people that get it and hearing other opinions and seeing what other people have and sort of like even just the opportunities to buy and sell and trade and have access to pieces that you mm -hmm. typically wouldn't have if you were just kind of out there in the great ether of the world trying to figure it out on your own mm -hmm. it's really like that sense of community is such an awesome part I think of this hobby as well too and where really like it's just about like again like meeting decent folks chatting with them and having that exactly if you have your 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 stable of friends that you talk to almost every day kind of about right. watches and what they have going on you get to learn a lot about people and their personal lives and what they're doing and who they are and like one thing i always said when i started the show was like it's cool to feel like i could land in any major city in the world and have someone to grab a beer with sure. or a coffee with or someone to pick me up at the airport or right. a familiar face wherever i go that it's like hey I'm in this place I've never been before. At least I can find yeah. someone that can show me the ropes and and that I know and, and I can chat with and have a, a good time mm -hmm. with. And I think that's something that's almost so invaluable. What would you say in your experience really is something that's unique about our community or that you find uh, you know special about watch the watch collecting community as a whole and how it's impacted you? I think because we have sort of thick skin, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I don't know about other people, you know, but I constantly get made fun of for wearing different watches on my wrist that are not smart watches. Okay. <laughs> All my friends tease me, right? Um, and, and, you know, my wife always teased me like, you know, hey, why are you go changing watches? You're just about to do dishes. Mm. You know, like I get my diver on my wrist and I'm about to do dishes, you know? And, and uh, you know, when I'm, when I'm taking my daughter out for, you know, a playground, and I'm switching watches to have, you know, chronograph with the dive bezel so that I can time two different things. That it's, it's super, you know, um, silly. But anyway, that being said, uh, the thing about Instagram watch community is that because I think we generally have thick skin, we are, you know, all different than each other, meaning we all have something to learn from each other, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're more, um, we're more um, uh, less judgmental when it comes to, you know, individual preference, um, especially those who are eager to meet in person because they feel comfortable to do so, right? Because there's some keyboard warriors out there. Oh, they look like women's watches. Oh, yeah. so thick and, you know, Tudor should never make another, you know, uh, GMT like that, you know, they can, do whatever they want in their own time but those who i can actually meet up in person especially them like i feel like we can just have something you know in common more than just watches right because you see a a, a person through a, a watch collection and you can kind of see uh, how this person's like philosophy and you know um uh, and meaning of life is sort of reflected in collection right so um i, I think people are just down the earth right uh, in general so yeah, no, I think that's, that's spot on. And I think that, you know, there's that sense of like, yeah, we definitely all have something to learn. We're always excited. Like we all know when we get together, we're going to see watches, but you never mm -hmm. quite know what you're going to see. Right. Cause again, yeah. there's, there's so much out there, like from a collecting point of view, it's, it's literally impossible to know everything that's out there. And like, whenever I meet a new collector or like I go to like a local red bar event or something like yeah. that here, it's like, you always see something cool. Or at least at the very least, if you don't think it's cool or for you, you see something new that you haven't seen before. And mm -hmm. I think that that's something that is so uh, valuable. And then just 
like you again you meet you you said it right you meet the certain people that are sort of like on your level with sort of like having the same vibe or the same kind of attitude towards things and then you really start to make a lot of friends it's like okay this person gets it right Mm -hmm. you know and like my biggest thing is like you know obviously I have a show, I try and, you know, I take, I, I enjoy collecting and I have a big collection and I, I enjoy watches a lot. And I, you know, I'm engaged in this community a lot, but at the same time, I also try and look for people that enjoy it, but don't take it too seriously. You know exactly. what I mean? That's, that's you don't, the, uh, important you, thing. you shouldn't be ruining your life over watches. Right. right. And, you know, like, like, and that to me is like just one of the biggest things where I know you and it happens to everybody too. I mean, you get to the point and, you know, where maybe like there's a watch you really want and you're really trying a hard time to get it. And it starts to maybe occupy your thoughts more than it should. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think like one of the biggest things is, you know, being able to kind of like either have someone be like, Hey man, it's just watches like, yeah. chill. or being chill. able, being able to recognize that for yourself. that it's like, wow, like I care way too much about this right now. Right. And I think that that's, you know, if you could find other people or it's like, we love it, we enjoy it, but it's not going to be our complete life all the time. That's mm-hmm. an important thing to have and, and a good, mm-hmm. a good healthy sp- spot in the space to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you, I, what is, I guess, the significance for you behind the name, no box, no paper? Like I, I have my own thoughts on maybe what it is, but I feel like there's probably <laughs> a reason why you picked, why you picked that. What, what is that? Yeah, sure. So there are two aspects of it. One is, you know, again, I love the fact that it constantly goes back to smile for dollar factor, right? Mm-hmm. It just, I could care less about, you know, um, box and papers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, people always say, oh, you should always get watched on, you know, with full set, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, to me, the best still, just like buying stocks, right? It's best when you buy cheap and, and uh, you know, not stock, I mean, used car, that's, um, you buy a used car cheap and you sell it, you know, at the market value. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, people always say you should buy a Honda Civic because it has, you know, the best uh, value. But then if you buy, you know, crappy Hyundai, you know, at lower price, you still sell it at the market value. You don't lose that much. So that being mm-hmm. said, right, um, you know, I want to buy watches that are beat up mm-hmm. at lower than market you know, value, so to speak. And then if I have to sell it, I don't lose out any money. Maybe I'll instead, you know, have um, more profit because watch prices tend to go up uh, alongside of, um, um, you know, uh, other, you know, price indexes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one side of it. The other one is that it's technically grammatically incorrect to have no box, no paper. I believe it's no box or papers, okay. but that simply reflects me as a person because I'm, I'm a, you know, uh, English learner, uh, you know, with uh, Korean as my first language. So it's it's just, I wanted to sort of, you know, have people chuckle about it. This guy can't speak English, you know, <laughs> but, you know, so it's, 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 it's kind of me in, in, uh, in, um, in one word, if that makes sense in terms of watch hobbyist. <laughs> well, I mean, we've been chatting for the last hour. I think your English is spot on, but I, to- <laughs> I totally appreciate, you know, where the angle you're coming from. I think it's sort of also, you know, like you're right like there's tremendous value to be had in these watches that necessarily don't like that are sold naked right i think is also right right but like right and it's like i'm the same way like i it's it's great if you can get the box and papers as like an add-on but i'm not paying extra for that like right. i don't you know especially when you get into vintage and you're like okay well this warranty card isn't any good but like, it doesn't <laughs> you know none, none of this really matter and yeah i guess from like an authenticity 
sure. point of view. But if you know what you're looking for and you do your research, you're going to know if something's authentic and original right. or not. It has the blocks and papers. And just because, uh -huh. you know, for example, you're buying a Rolex and it has a set of vintage box and papers doesn't mean it's the original set of box and papers that that watch came with, nor does exactly. it mean that all the parts on that watch are original right. could have service parts or God knows whatever else. Right. right. So I think I mean, it's, you're right. Like, sorry, the holding all is constant, right? If it's the same price, yeah. uh, similarly in condition and everything for the same watch. Yes. I'll definitely get something. Uh, I'll definitely get one with box and paper full set. But, you know, if it ends up costing me premium to be able right. to be able to obtain those box and paper, like I'm not doing that, right? I could care less about it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to turn away any extra goodies, but it's like, I'm not going to, exactly. you know, I'm not going to get bent out of shape. And most of my watches, um, I guess most of my watches now in my collection currently came with box and papers, but it's oh, always, welcome, but, <laughs> but, but generally like generally in, you know, as I've been hunting for watches over the years and I've, you know, let go of a lot of watches, it's never been something I get bent out of shape of. And like, if I were right. to go, if I were to go tomorrow and be like, I want to go hunt down a, whatever, a Rolex Explorer two or a, a sea dweller or something, it's like, it'd be really nice if it came with box and papers, Right. I'm not going to get, I mean, you're going to get a really good deal, particularly yeah. on Rolex, if it doesn't come with that stuff, because people are so yeah. bent out of shape, particularly about that I mean, this brand. is probably also adding to our existing competition between you and I, Eric, but, you know, like the Japanese market for used watches, mm. they typically don't come with full bracelet link, you know, right. fully mechanically, you know, well-functioning condition, you know, definitely missing box and paper, right? But then again, you take it to a watchmaker and you maybe source an extra link for the bracelet, then you're, you're set, you know, you're going to be much better off, right? I also find, I mean, just on, you know, on a little side story there about Japan, I find that like, A, the deals out of Japan are wicked. I'm not yeah. sure, I'm not sure what it is about the Japanese watch culture and the watch scene over there. But like, you know, even when I was looking for this Panerai, I mean, the prices over there in Japan for this model were easily sometimes two grand, three sure. grand less than what people were asking for them in the United States and Canada. Mm -hmm. I ended up getting this one from Canada, but I was just lucky. But mm -hmm. like the, you know, you see it on a lot of watches, like the pricing over there is so much less. And yes, a lot of them don't come with box and paper, but I mean, that shouldn't make a difference of almost one third oh. on a watch. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about like some sort of, you know, cultural difference in, in, in you know, uh, watch consumption, so to speak, right, uh, in Korea and, and the US, but um, I can, you know, uh, speak on behalf of you know, Japan, I, I guess, is that um, the used goods are typically not the most desirable grade of a commodity in Japan, I think, especially for luxury goods, you know, uh, vintage is a new trend, however, uh, what we typically consider as neo vintage, right? Any any watches there came out, you know, uh, mid nineties all the way to like recent years, right? They're typically much less desirable than brand new one because it's typically, you know, the newer the better type mm -hmm. of mindset, right? So a lot of times, you know, people buy watches, but then they sell it to, you know, um, liquidate and get some cash out of it or whatever else they want to do. So you're, you're absolutely right. Japan has a really good use market for that. Well, the other thing I also found that was very interesting as well, too, is you get really good prices and they're also in really good condition. Yeah. Like, like they, they, like Japanese people seem to take really good care of their watches. Uh -huh. I mean, even when you look at like something like, you know, like this Lord Matic, I mean, this thing is 50 years old and like it, looks pristine and it came with the original bracelet it was in it's in ter terrific shape i mean i've had 
lots of other watches from Japan over the years. And like, I gotta say, like, I've never been unimpressed with what I've received. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's always in terrific shape. It's well taken care of, you know, they, in a lot of like, you know, particularly on like Chrono 24, where a lot of the sure. list pieces, right. They always like grade them, for example. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, it's like a, it's like a B minus. And I'm like, if I was buying this on like watch you seek from a guy in the States, he'd say <laughs> this is 99%, right? Like it's, 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 terrific and it's, it's a great resource for people and if, as long as you're okay with buying international and you don't for get sure. too nervous about that kind of stuff uh, uh -huh. you, have, you have good communication um uh -huh. really like it, it's tremendous tremendous value you can pick up some really amazing deals out of japan for sure yeah uh back to my question what i had before i kind of got diverted from there I, loving it <laughs> I've completely i've completely lost my train of thought again this is a, an absolute train wreck of an episode on my part <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> but <enjoying> uh <laughs> um but uh i just remembered that was actually this is another little side note but i was talking about falco earlier to tony is what they are now but that's now i remembered that that oh, came to me okay. of all things out of the blue but oh. um yeah, I know. Super not helpful in the moment at all. Um, but uh, I think that the idea also of your name, no box, no paper, I think also lends to the um, philosophy we just discussed of not taking it too serious as well. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's like you, you go and you look at your account, though. I mean, you have beautiful photos, beautiful photography. You know, you really showcase your watch collection, you know, uh, very, very well. And no one can say you're lacking beautiful pieces and the fact that you know you're enjoying these watches for what they are and showing them off and you know some of them might have had no box no paper it certainly isn't detracted all from your enjoyment of the watches or your or their their beauty as you as you photograph them right so i think oh, it's I, mean, I don't know if uh sorry sorry i, I just like i don't want to take too much credit because my wife also says you know i'm the worst photographer in the world <laughs> wow. um like watch photography is hard for me and I don't think I want to get better at it because it's so time and energy consuming for me. Mm -hmm. But um, if anybody have tips that's like super lazy but efficient tip, I'm 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 grateful. Let me know. But anyway, going back to well, so the biggest tip I learned, and I just learned it this summer, and it has infinitely increased my game when it comes to watches, uh -huh. is uh, turning down the aperture when you're taking photos outside on your iPhone, which apparently you can do, and I didn't know that, okay. but. It, it helps. Yeah. You like, you like hold your thumb over it. Like the little sun pops up and then you just like slide oh. down and it like darkens it. And so like when you get like, it kind of what it makes it, it, it helps us. So you don't, your photos don't get totally washed out by the sunlight. It sometimes happens. It huge difference. And then just using like Adobe Lightroom on your phone and just hitting auto and it does everything for you oh, makes, man. makes a huge difference as well too. So those are two tips from a lazy guy like me who doesn't have time to be doing Photoshop and things like that. I mean, I'm not, don't, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. My, my photos are not nearly as amazing as a lot of other people's photos, but I try my best and I'm always uh -huh. learning and uh, it makes a, uh, it makes a big difference. So if anyone wants like, you know, that's the beginner kit. Okay, writing how, it down, Eric, writing it down. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I think that that's, that's, I mean, again, like, it's just, it's it's about the the no box no paper lifestyle. You're you're basically, you're basically creating a lifestyle brand at this point, man. It's like yeah, don't take it too seriously. Enjoy the watches. My pictures, you know, my wife says they suck. Oh well, I'm still enjoying I mean, my watch, and you can enjoy I, it too. If I may share, actually, I have a funny story. Hopefully, sure. this is at the ethos of no box paper. But um, this um, Boulevard Curvex from I think 19. 19... 40 or something i don't know 
your screen keeps blurring all the watches out. Yeah. So if you got like a zoom, a zoom filter on or something. Is that, oh, that's right. Hold on, let me remove that. I do not like it. Um, For those of you that are going to be, you know, looking at it on YouTube, go. there you go, beautiful. So, story about this watch. Again, I got this on eBay for like maybe seventy dollars, and I had to put some ammonia on it to remove stains and everything. Okay. Um, but it's it's working fine, right? Um, so you got second hand and hour hand. No, I, I'm sorry, hour hand and minute hand. Nice. But it's missing crystal. Mm -hmm. because my lovely partner was wearing it and uh she the crystal fell out um and she stepped on it in the bathroom right um so it's missing crystal and we're in the between in the middle of a move from florida to seattle so you know it was just kind of wrapped around the bubble wrap and turns out the minute hand that sits on top of the you know uh, our hand fell out you know so it just said our hand. I was super upset. I was telling my wife about it. How could you do this? And of course, she was just trying to do her best to, you know, um, make the move most effectively, efficiently with the baby and everything, right? So I had to apologize because, you know, I had no right to say it. So it was missing minute hand, but I ended up finding it later. But before finding it, I was like, you know what? Maybe I do want a watch with just our hand. It's like one of those Mysa singer. You know, mm -hmm. you know, I think just our hand and you can sort of guess what the minute is. Um, so, yeah, but I ended up finding the minute hand. But yeah, no, no paper that is. Um, there you, you go. Know, missing a minute hand. Hey, I got a new complication that I didn't have in my collection. Just finding <laughs> the joy where you can. Right. It's so, yeah. so much to enjoy. That's awesome. So I guess, you know, let's kind of talk a little bit about what's in the collection. You've kind of referenced a few pieces. You've shown a few pieces. I mean, obviously, you have so many awesome photos of your watches up on Instagram as well, too. But like, what do you collect and why did you collect them? And what are some of the cool stories that you have behind them? I, I'm sure you sure. have your pieces there that you can kind of walk us through the collection and show us. Sure. So um, I just want to make sure that it's clear, but most of my photos on Instagrams are just watches that have gone through me, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's ever evolving collections. And I think the permanent collection, if that's the right terminology, is probably six watches, okay. uh, mostly vintage. So I can start there sure. and then show you kind of what I have now, but maybe being flipped down the road. But sure. No. Um, so this is, I'm going to let you guess what it is uh, based on the look. I call this um, 10 meter away, three second, 10, 16. Oh, uh, oh, what is that? So it's just a Seiko quartz sort of triple calendar-ish that looks like a chronograph register. Wow. Integrated bracelet. It's it's my dad's watch nice um that was gifted from my grandma it's casio quartz it's just a water resist it has uh date registered mm -hmm. day register and 24 indicator right but it looks like a 10 16 from distance uh, i was gonna say from far away i was like you have, you have an explorer <laughs> I got, I was like, yeah it's interesting. right yeah. so this is a watch that was not given from my dad he just kind of tossed it away because he got an apple watch so okay. i'm like i'm gonna take that right so I wore it on like dressy occasion because um, nice. it looks nice, you know, and no one needs to know that this is Casio, you know. <laughs> um, so this is that. And this is probably, 
if I had to pick one watch that's like most favorite, right? It'll be this one. Um, it's a uh, um, vintage uh, anonymous, no branding, right? Interesting. Uh, Landron 47 base watch that has triple pusher, mm. uh, top, bottom, and middle crown pusher that is semi flyback, meaning you can start by top pusher. But if you press the bottom pusher without, uh, you know, um, stopping it, uh, it goes back, but it doesn't automatically start like most fly back out there, right? And um, I love this watch. It's an original strap from 1930s. <laughs> um, it's almost deteriorated, but I wear it at least once a week. Uh, it has like actual gilt dial that is not printed, which is amazing on a glossy Lacour uh, dial. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really sweet watch. Is it like a, do you think it's like a military watch with it being sterile? I don't or? know. I got it from a French eBay seller on eBay France. Um, he said it's been in his dad's drawer. Um, that's all I know. Wow. Um, so yeah, I, I got it really cheap too. Like, but I got a service by a, a fellow forum member, but recently this got, watered because i was wearing it and then i got home and i went to shower right away with my daughter and it just got water literally you could see water on the dial so i did what a good person would before all smartphones were are waterproof you know i took it apart and put it in a you know a container of dry rice and <laughs> wiped it down and tested for everything and it worked fine dial wasn't damaged um so yeah nice that's awesome that's a really cool piece i mean I, in your photos you can see it pretty well too on instagram like it's it, it has that really like interesting kind of complicated like 1940s chronograph kind of look to it how does it so how does it work with it being a three pusher so what does the third pusher do in the middle or the the one that's on the crown so oh i actually explained it incorrectly so eric um you can obviously wind it from the crown right you start nice right? okay you pause okay you reset interesting nice or you start you reset which has no actual benefit of it because it doesn't actually fly back and reset right restart hmm. it's just quirky and it's super nice looking i'm thinking of because the strap is like um it's original strap and i can show here it's basically it's a oh, fixed lug, right? Yeah. Uh, 34 millimeter, maybe 40 millimeter lug to lug. So it's basically hard to strap it because uh, the pin doesn't go through two holes at the same time. So I think mm. I'm going to let this strap retire and get a bun strap because 34 millimeter watch is so small. So I think I can rock it, you know, on the bun strap. So I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> Go for it, man. That's that's awesome. That's really, really cool. You can get like a nice kind of cool one custom made for the watch or whatever yeah. and have a lot of fun. That's really neat. Uh, that's, a, that's a really cool pickup. And it's always yeah. nice to find those cool eBay deals and things like that. You oh, know? yeah. It, the cheaper it is, the, the better a smile for a dollar. You know, Absolutely. Like that. That's terrific. Yeah. And this is the, uh, uh, again, the vintage uh, Bulova Curvex. I, I wear it uh, on this. The original strap is far gone right mm -hmm. it's not functional so i got this uh uh custom 15 millimeter lug uh ostrich uh, strap made from my buddy who i also met from instagram slash like ebay strap 
store. Um, I just searched his name because he's in Vietnam, right? He makes stress for a lot of like OEM, right? Um, but same username on eBay existed on Instagram. So I just messaged him and super sweet guy. He's like, I can just make it for you. And, you know, we can deal here instead. And I was like, okay. And I ended up helping him design the website and everything. Um, nice. Um, Cause he couldn't speak uh, proficient English uh, enough that he could deal with us customers. Right. Um, but yeah, so that's a, that's a story on this. So what's, so what's the deal with the curve X? Cause my understanding is like, that's actually a pretty significant model from Bolova. I've heard of them being referenced and seen photos of them before. What's kind of special about the curve X model. I honestly don't know. I was just looking for something that used to be mine, but now it belongs to my wife, uh, which is uh, vintage Hamilton. I think it's called Sawyer. Okay. Well, this is too small for my taste. Um, although this was gentleman's watch back in the days, right? So I was actually looking for something that is yellow gold plated because solid gold are out of sight of my budget. And that's also has some wrist presence. Mm -hmm. So the natural conclusion was Curvex because, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's narrow, but it's long, mm -hmm. right? So that's why I ended up getting Curvex. I don't know if it was actually model named as Curvex. Um, that could have been Gruen or other American watchmakers, um, you know, product name. But I just know that uh, the case is curved. Mm -hmm. It's part of its long, you know, lug to lug profile. So, you know, they got some quartz models too, but uh, with uh, 15 millimeter lug width and I think 20 millimeter width with um, 44 millimeter lug to lug, like it wears nice. Nice. Yeah, it's really, it's a cool watch. It's kind of neat that it's able to like really contour to your wrist as well too. And like the amount of machining that would be required to kind of achieve a watch that, with that many kind of subtle nuances to it back in the era that watch would have been made it's pretty cool right. when you think about the amount of work that would have went into creating yeah. something like that especially yeah. back when bolovo was kind of you know still an american brand doing its thing right for sure yeah so, so the last one is basically this nomos um that i went through journey of finding the perfect white dial blue hands you know dress watch and you know i think i found it and it's, it's just kind of a good everyday office watch, you know? It's nice that it's approved by the missus as well too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Always helps when the wife approves. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, that's, that's terrific that you were able to, to share all those watches with us. That's awesome. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on the show today. We've had such an awesome yeah. chance to kind of talk about our philosophies around collecting, some of your origins kind of in the watch space and who you are and kind of, you know, just really shine a light about, you know, you and what you're all about in, in this, in this space. What are some, uh, or where can people kind of, you know, interact with you or chat with you if they have any questions, comments, feedback, or just want to kind of have a conversation with you just over on Instagram or, or where should they look for? Yeah. You? I mean, Instagram, you know, no box, no paper, um, you know, is DM, right. I've been trying to get into, you know, uh, watch crunch, um, seems like a pretty good platform. Um, Watch you seek and Reddit are mainly for transactions for me, you know, sales um, and buying and trade. Um, so yeah, Instagram would be the best one. 
Awesome. Yeah, definitely. I'll make sure I drop a link in the comment section below or in the description box below for people to, to find you if they want to check out your profile or chat with you at all. Likewise, for myself, if anyone has any qu- uh, questions, comments, feedback, uh, feel free to shoot me an email at podcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you want to kind of follow along with the show at Central Hub, uh, just chat with me kind of more casually, feel free to shoot me a DM over at Rico's Watches Podcast on Instagram uh, if you wouldn't mind following as well and maybe check out some of the posts that are there that would be terrific if you enjoy these episodes in an audio medium and would like to check them out in a video medium uh, like this episode or any of the 90 plus other episodes that are out there as well uh head over to rico's watches podcast youtube channel it's just rico's watches podcast right there on youtube just uh if you don't mind like subscribe hit that bell icon leave a comment all that stuff it helps with the youtube algorithm so people can discover the the show over there as well too june it's been fantastic chatting with you today it's been terrific getting to know you and going through you know your collection going through your philosophies and talking about who you are as a collector Uh, it's been absolutely terrific and uh, i would love to have the opportunity to have you on the show again sometime soon Uh, and uh, thank you again for taking the time to come and chat uh, today with myself and uh, the audience thank you thank you eric the pleasure is mine Absolutely. And next, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, definitely be in touch uh, going forward. You have yourself a wonderful evening, okay? Uh, you too, Eric. Thank you. See you. Bye bye.